following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Kids need at least one trustworthy adult to get this information from. Ideally, it's their parent or caregiver because we have the most power and influence over their sexual decision making. Um, That's actually up until they're about 13, 14, and then their peers start to ramp up in terms Mm -hmm. of influence. We're always influential and highly influential. So if you can't do it, Uh, for some reason, just being nervous about it. It's not legit. Yeah. You can learn how to do this. This episode of Two Kids and a Career is brought to you by Elemental Aesthetics. You can be guaranteed that your experience is going to be unique and customized to your specific needs. See how they can help you focus on natural beauty enhancements by visiting ElementalAesthetics.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to this week's episode of Two Kids and a Career and... I'm surprised. No, I'm not surprised why I haven't had uh, a guest on like this week's guest and talk the topic about this week because I'm afraid. That's why I've never had this on the podcast before. I'm talking about the birds and the bees. And Amy Lang, you are birds and bees and kids. You're the expert, right? I am. And I feel your pain with the being afraid. That's kind of where I started being a chicken. Well, that's exactly what I thought probably happened. I mean, I know that you had a little bit of an issue being uncomfortable talking to your son. So I figured, well, that's obviously where she is now. And I wonder if she's still uncomfortable, but maybe she's better because she's equipped herself. So let's just get into it. Yeah, well, here's the reason I was like, embarrassed that I was so uncomfortable. I'd been a sex educator. I'd been doing birth control, abortion, you know, pregnancy counseling, STI counseling, HIV counseling for 16 years. And then I had a kid and I thought I'll be a rock star. And right. I was so uncomfortable. And that, you know, for me, it's like double trouble. Like for you, I'm guessing you weren't a sex educator. And Anyway, so I saw all the hard stuff, you know, that happened as a result of not having enough information. And yeah, I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. So I figured it out. And here we are. Well, that makes me feel so much better that you actually had somewhat of a background and you were still afraid. Okay, let's go there first. Let's talk about that and going back to when you had to have that conversation and why you were afraid, because obviously it's going to be different for everyone. And I just wanted to kind of get into your background a little bit on that before we go into all the tips and tricks you're going to provide us. Yeah, that's a super question. And so, you know, I think that, you know, parenting is hard, right? We Mm -hmm. don't know what we're doing anyway. And for me, that idea that I was so ready and well-equipped and I knew I was going to be great because I had all the information. And what happened is that Milo was about five and he, uh, he was getting ready for a bath and he grabs his penis and he says, hey, mama, did you know? 
And I stood there and I thought, please (laughs) do not tell me it feels good to touch your penis because I got nothing. (laughs) And then I said, you know, I was poker faced, right? I was like, oh. And then I said, oh, what? And he said, he said, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I said, excellent. Get in the bathtub. (laughs) And, you know, I was surprised and I also thought, oh, sister, you have got to get this together. And I think that there's so many things that come into play when we think about talking to kids about sexuality and my personal history, all those folks I dealt with who were not happy to be pregnant or who had an STI you know, diagnosis or who you know, I saw that. And then, you know, in my family, I got books. My parents didn't talk to me. There were never any conversations. And so I had grew up thinking, all right, books are the way to go. I turned out okay. But then I look back and I was like, did I really? Like I bonked a lot of people that I probably should not have been doing it with <laughs> and didn't have healthy room. I didn't know what I was doing in romantic relationships. I didn't trust my gut. You know, I had a person that I was dating and he was a little nuts. And it took me a while to say, oh yeah, you are not quite right in the head. And then I mis- met my spouse and, you know, here we are 300 years later. Um, so, <laughs> so you've I, been through a lot. <laughs> I've been through a lot, but I think the thing is that uh, for me, what I've learned is that when I got clear that this was my job, that my, our main job as parents is to keep our kids healthy and safe, right? That is yep. our, that is it. That is it. They don't need calculus. They don't need, you know, whatever, taekwondo. They don't need that. They need us to keep them healthy and safe. So that was the thing that helped me settle in. And then, you know, one of, you know, and then thinking about my values, like what do I hope for him? And, you know, what did Carrie hope for him, my husband? And we hope that he had, you know, he grew up to be a healthy, happy adult, that he had a really good sense of himself as a sexual person, that he knew about healthy relationships, that he felt prepared for this part of life. So that all that settled me down. And then, and then, you know, I mean, we also have to manage the crap that comes along with our own sexual history. So I did a little work around that as well. Right. Well, I don't know if there's two categories or multiple categories, but I feel like there are the parents who are like, we will share everything that you need to know and it doesn't even bother us. Let's sit down. And then there's the parents that are like, I don't want to tell you a thing. I'm embarrassed. And I think you see a lot more of that. And I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't even know where to begin on this conversation. I have a five and a three-year-old and I understand that it's super important to have discussions. Let me, let me see if this is correct. Like the, um, for example, you know, the girls know that's their vagina. They wipe their vagina. You but when when they save the word vagina in front of maybe like my parents or my mom, it's like, she oh, says vagina. We don't know. No, it's like, no, that's what it's called. It's your vagina. And that's what you do. Now, I will say at first when I would say, oh, we need to wipe your vagina, that it did make me feel kind of weird. And now mm-hmm. it's it's natural. It's that's mm-hmm. not a big deal. But 
I definitely am not feeling natural about what to say if they come to me with other questions. So here's the good news for you is that your kids are young and they aren't going to notice your weirdness the same way <laughs> your you know your 13-year-old would. 13-year-old would say, "Okay, you're being a total weirdo about this." and pick that up with little people what's it's lovely like the sooner you get rolling the better and you're doing one of the you know the very first sex talk is using the correct names for private body parts Mm -hmm. and we don't we didn't grow up saying that we said taco front bottom you know (laughs) i love the word hoo-ha there's all (laughs) kinds of you want to hear my favorite slang for a penis yes are you ready yeah tinkle waggle <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> it's a total win. It's a total win. And it's so just a couple things and one little change up for what you're doing. I, you know, everybody has really gotten, relatively speaking, has gotten real good with referring to the um, female body parts as reproductive parts as vagina. But Mm -hmm. that's actually not accurate. Vaginas, as if you have one, you know, they're up inside you. You can't see them. And what's more accurate is vulva. And that's the exterior of the vaginal area. It's the labia, the labia minora, the clitoris, the urethra opening, the vaginal opening. And so this is about kids having the correct words for their anatomy. One of the things about using the word vulva is that it's people don't quite know that. And so if you're all like, yeah, the vulva with your girls and they say my vulva itches, you know, in the middle of, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. Right. Um, that signals to folks that you're having open conversations with your little people and it is, uh, you know, it is protective and using the word penis for some reason we do a lot better with penis, but that's all about patriarchy and other crapola there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so using the correct parts and words and everybody needs to know about everybody else's private parts because of curiosity. And of course, you know, they need to know they have a, they have a right to know. So, Starting there is great. And just as a suggestion, you know, if you've been saying vagina and you, it's easy to just say, you know, just to switch up and to say, you know what, actually the part you're wiping is called your vulva and your vagina is up inside of you. So you're wiping your vulva. Uh, it's, you know, it's important to do that, you know, front to back, all the things you're probably already saying. And when parents um, switch up, if they need to, and lots of folks are using the right words, which is awesome. When you switch up again, your kids aren't going to, they're not going to notice, especially the younger they are. They're going to be like, all right, and move along. I'm going to hit pause on this week's conversation to talk to you about Elemental Aesthetics, one of the sponsors of the podcast. And we are getting ready to head full steam into all the holiday parties, right? You know, busy hustle and bustle. And at the same time, you're like, I just want to make sure that these bags under my eyes don't show because I'm so tired with doing everything to prepare for the holidays. Well, Elemental Aesthetics, they're here for you. So they have some amazing November specials for you. You can upgrade your facial in November and save. You upgrade any facial over $120 to an advanced facial and you'll save 
$30. And you can contact them, elementalaesthetics.com. That's where they have the number and how to reach them uh, to find out exactly what is involved in an advanced facial. They have the wellness shots that are only $15. This is huge. And their new fan favorite, the Cool Peel, is on sale for $5.95 for your first area. So get yourself prepared for the holidays and, and feel better about the energy you're going to bring on and the energy that you're going to radiate to the others in your life. Elementalaesthetics.com for more information. And now let's get back to this week's conversation. Okay. So body parts doesn't make me really sweat that much right now. So excellent. <laughs> it's the next step. And I think that, you know, and you even said it and it's, kind of like where you grew up or how you grew up and the trauma that you have or the trauma you may not have as far as how you approach things. And that's the thing that I, because you'll hear this and I know that this is going to be a great thing for you to address that people will say, oh, you talk about it and, and then you're giving them permission. No, that's not it at all. Like I get that and I understand that. I just don't know how to even talk about it. And maybe that's what you hear from people all the time. But what I want to say is I want my girls to have a life of, I don't know if it's insecurity, not have insecurity or like, I don't want them to be scared of it, of sex, of the whole idea of it. I want them to be educated. And so I just don't, I just don't know. Yeah. I'm going to say so, that a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, you, of course you don't know. Of course you don't know. No one really knows. Some folks do. I mean, if we all lived in the Netherlands, we'd know everything, but most of mm -hmm. us don't. And, you know, I think uh, one of the things that you can do for yourself is something you just said. You said you want your girls, I'm going to actually tweak what you said. You want them to feel confident comfortable, informed, probably ready, prepared as they can be for this part of life. And yes. if you think of this in terms of preparation, right? You're preparing them. This is one of the things that is the biggest things in our lives, our bodies, our sexuality, our romantic relationships that we do. And we do it our entire life. And we do our kids a disservice by not getting, you know, putting on our big kid underpants and doing the thing that makes us uncomfortable. And so for me, when I had that switch from, okay, I don't want him to do this and I want him to feel good and da, 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 da. when I made that switch from, yeah, of course I want that. But really at the end of the day, I want him to be prepared. So if you think about this as preparing your child, that switch for me made me feel better and it's okay that you don't know. And it's okay that you have this baggage and fear and anxiety about it. And it, there are pretty easy ways to manage that. And one of them is to be aware <laughs> that your baggage, anxiety, lack of information is what's kind of getting in the way of having these conversations. And, you know, one of the things I often recommend for folks is to think about how they learned, where they got mm -hmm. their information. How was that? 
helpful, not helpful? What if, what did they need to know? What would have been helpful to them? And then that kind of clears the deck. And also I find it to be inspiring. You know, I, I really do find that to be inspiring and, and helpful. So the, it's really, you know, again, parenting, we're not prepared, but a whole lot of parenting is personal work, right? Okay. So then when I think about, you know, the, the conversation and making sure that I'm connected with my kids and, and open with them. I mean, right now, like you said, and what we're doing, body parts. I, how do you talk to your children about sex at this level or even the next few years before they get to the t- teenage years? I mean, I can talk to my kids every single day about stranger danger and the safety of that. And I think they kind of understand. But if I obviously I'm not going to be talking about sex right now with them. But what do I do to make sure that I keep lining it up so that I can be that person? Okay, so I'm going to put a pin in the stranger danger thing. Okay, Okay. so we're going to we have to talk about that. And and again, you know, they're really young and they don't know what we know. It's okay. They should know the usual way babies are made by the time they're about five. But here's why. It's biology. It's science, right? They, you know, when you say, you know, the usual way a baby's made, his penis goes in the vagina, blah, 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 sperm egg, whatever. And you frame it in this way. You say, this is not for kids. It's for later in life. You know, kids' hearts, minds, and bodies aren't ready for something like this. This is something people agree to do. They want to do it. It feels good to their grown-up bodies. And, you know, and we're planning a pregnancy should be planned seed here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so they decide to do this. And the other thing is that it's okay to say, and most of the time people do this because it's a way they feel close to each other. It's a way, you know, it's part of sometimes being part of being married or in a romantic relationship. Those words are big, right? For us, for them, the reaction is usually, you know, when you say, this is how a baby's made, people have sex for fun, and this is how butter is made, you got to churn it up, you get it from a cow, same, same. Okay. They don't know. They don't know. So baby making, butter making, for them, it's the same. And you want to capitalize on that. You've got that. You've gotten that out of the way. One of the reasons it's, well, a few reasons it's five is that they're open. They're curious. They, um, they, they don't, again, they're like, they don't know there's a bad thing, good thing, awesome thing about sex. Uh, they start kindergarten. They're hanging out with older kids. I had a, when Milo was actually in second grade, one of his classmates' moms called me and she said, okay, we don't know what to do. Their daughter, Olivia, came home. They were, it was after dinner. They're watching TV and Olivia stands up in front of the TV and announces, I know what sex is. Mm. Mm. And they said, they're both like, oh God. And they said, what is it? And she said, sex is when you kiss with tongues. And they said, "Mm, where'd you hear that? Fourth grade girl on the playground. (sighs) And she's getting misinformation. Sure. Kissing with tongues can be part of sex. So she got this misinformation and they knew they needed to straighten her out because that's not what sex is. 
and they she needed to yeah she needed to know and so my advice was of course to and i'm a big super fan of books like you do not need to be the wikipedia of the sex talks they're great books that we'll have in the show notes um so that you can use the book that's good. And the books I, the book I recommend, the two books I recommend for people who are littler are It's Not the Stork and It's So Amazing. And you use those as your resource. And they're sex positive, which means they present sex, sexuality, relationships, families, all those things as a positive and very cool part of life, which imagine if that was the message you got. Oh, yeah, that'd be a fantastic it would be fantastic. And I'm thinking too, um, I'm jumping ahead here, but like for parents that may have that kind of trauma and they don't know what to say or what to do or they can't do it. I mean, is it okay if they send their kids to someone like you to talk to about it? Or is that not a great idea? Well, first of all, I do not work with children. I swear too much. And uh, so there's that. So yes, there. So yes and no. So absolutely, there are some folks who cannot do this because of sexual trauma, uh, any number of reasons. And they basically get a pass. But what we know from tons of studies is that kids need at least one trustworthy adult to get this information from. Ideally, it's their parent or caregiver because we have the most power and influence over their sexual decision-making. That's actually up until they're about 13, 14, and then their peers start to ramp up in terms Mm. of influence. We're always influential and highly influential. So if you can't do it uh, for some reason, just being nervous about it is not, honestly, I'm going to be kind of like, I'm very direct. It's not legit. Yeah. You can learn how to do this. You know, I have an online solution center where I have videos that walk you through how to be a really expert sex talker, relatively speaking, and help people feel more comfortable. And what I found over the years is that if you just do a little thing and your child, no one throws up, like your child is like, whatever, or they don't want to hear it, you know, who cares? It's not their responsibility to have these conversations. It's not their responsibility to ask us. So it's, it's, it's our responsibility to initiate these conversations. So being nervous and feeling clueless is all part of it. And again, back to parenting, nervous and clueless. And like you said, too, I keep when you were just talking, I was thinking prepared. What do you want for your kids? You want them to be prepared. You want them to be healthy. You want them to be loved. You want them to succeed. You want them to be prepared. So as uncomfortable as it is, let's go back to what we're doing and in, in our children. Um all right, let's shift gears from the littles and talk about this book that you have, Sex Talk with Tweens, What to Say and How to Say It. Because now, you know, this could be the opportunity where parents have not talked about sex at all with their kids. And now they're going into this like, whoa, you know, maybe there are those outside factors from school and friends and and they're like, what do I do? And so I want to dive into that now. Yes. So the tween years are 9 to 12. Some folks don't know that. So the tween years are 9 to 12. And yeah, mo- so most of us have this idea that the time for the 
sex talk, that it's one sit down, drag out, knock down, drag out, you know, conversation is about fifth grade. And that's because that's when most schools start their sexuality education programs. That's just not true. Uh, It's kind of not too late, but real close to too late to start, you know, to, to start that. Also think that people, the kids should be asking us questions like, okay, my kid asked a question. They're ready to know. But my child uh, told me that he would rather talk to strangers than me or his dad about sex. So there was going to be no questions coming from him. (laughs) And so it's, again, it's not their job. So in these tween years, uh, it's a really great time. The good news about talking, starting the conversation, you know, around, you know, 9, 10, 11, is that they'll get it. They may not like it, but they'll understand what you're saying because they're cognitively, most kids are cognitively able to grasp some of the things you're talking, what you're talking about. They've heard the words, 100% peer media influence 100 percent uh so they're hearing stuff and these days they're hearing things that you know some of us didn't hear until we were in high school and it's important to if you to get ahead of that and establish yourself as the go-to so if you are a little late to the game it's never too late uh it is that's the easier part the second part is that it also can be harder because they'll say i know everything and in your head, you need to be saying, oh, no, you do not, because, oh, no, you do not. Like, you're an adult. You don't know everything. So the reason I wrote Sex Talks with Tweens is to help parents. Uh, it, it gives tips for having and strategies for having the conversations. But one of the things that parents always ask me is just give me the words. <laughs> I don't have the words. What are the words? So the majority of it is scripts. And it's not comprehensive, uh, but it's scripts. I give you the words. Like, how do you talk about masturbation? I tell you how you, I give you the words. So you get empowered by having the words. It helps you see like how the conversation should be structured. And, you know, I've, again, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, helping parents understand that it's actually not that hard. Right. It really, if you can pull your emotional business out of it, it's it's not that hard. And again, what's the payoff? Healthy, happy, adult, prepared for this big important part of life. So then my next question, and I know that you're the parent, but is it a different level when it comes to like female male, meaning mom and son, uh, dad and daughter? I I don't know. I would feel like, you know, if I had a son, I'd be like, honey, that's all on you. (laughs) Take it over. But I don't know. I mean, is there any kind of research on that or anything you have to add? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So back to that, we want at least one trustworthy adult. It doesn't matter their gender. However, what we have kind of come to understand is that Girls would rather talk to their moms about their, um, you know, their bodies and puberty and all of that. Oftentimes they'll say, if there's a dad in the family, they'll say, you know, don't tell, don't tell daddy my period started. Uh, So they, they want to be with the same, you know, the person with the same parts talking about that. They're more flexible talking to their dads about 
sexuality and gender and sexuality in general, consent, all those pieces around it. So they have more openness there. Uh, boys would rather talk to their moms about their hearts and their dads about their parts. But none of this is hard and fast. None of this is hard and fast because if you're a two mom family and you're raising boys, it's pretty simple. You say, I ain't got your parts, but um, we're going to figure it out. We'll be talking about this. I'll get you books. And if there is a trustworthy uh, person who also has a penis in your world and they share your values, you might point your kiddo in that direction. Uh, and so, you know, again, at least one trustworthy adult. And just, you know, one of the things about this is just calling it out. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what to say to you. I'm learning. We'll figure this out together. Really helps kids to lean in to the conversations because we're human, right? We aren't, we don't know everything. And we're demonstrating how to admit that we're not, you know, we don't know everything, right? I'd like to hit pause on this week's conversation to talk to you about how I'm able to even get you this week's conversation, and that would be through Zencaster. I've been using Zencaster since the day I started my podcast on my own at home, and it was recommended to me through a podcast course that I took. I have seen Zencaster grow so much since I started that uh, right before the pandemic hit. And I have seen how much Zencaster has put into the development of making it easier for individuals to be a podcaster. One thing that I want to highlight is that I actually used a different hosting site. And what that means is a different site to get this podcast out there for you through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the different platforms. I was recording all of my audio through Zencaster and then using another platform to distribute all of the episodes. Now I switched to Zencaster because that became a new uh, feature that they offered. And it just makes sense. I'm able to do everything in one place. And I love that streamlining it, making it easy. That's what Zencaster is doing. And they want you to experience it too. And I want you to experience it as well. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code two kids and a career. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. And like I said, I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. And speaking of, let's get back to this week's conversation. Well, I was just thinking that too. How, in in any other conversation with your kids, how valuable it is when you admit, like, I don't know, I don't have the question, all the answers. I don't know how to answer your question. I I just don't know. And we sometimes think that that means like a sign of weakness or that we can't be trusted or we're not accountable. But no, it's really showing our vulnerability too. And I think that's huge. Like that's really big. I have two more topics that I definitely want to cover before we end our recording. And the one is going back to, and and I know you said it really is the trustworthy parent, but what if you have a kid who is just like, "Uh uh-uh, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not having their conversation. And you know, I mean, it's easy for us to say, okay, well, you're the parent. You need to do it. You need to have this conversation. But 
if you're fought with resistance and you just you just can't, what do you do? I mean, is this where you slip the books underneath the door and you say, read this, just get yourself educated? Yeah, totally. Everybody needs books and there are tons of them out there. Uh, so that was my child, right? Like rather talk to strangers, remember? Yeah. And so some <laughs> strategies are to tell them, it's like, look, I get it. You don't want to hear this, but I don't know what you know. So I'm going to be talking to you. Then say, you know what? You don't ever have to respond to me. I just need you to listen. Set your phone timer. I need three minutes of your time. Say what you need to say. Another strategy, which I used with Milo a lot, would be to say, I need to talk to you about a sex thing. We can do it now or we can do it later. And he always said, <laughs> later. Later. Yeah. And then within 48 hours, I would find a moment where we were, uh, kids do better if you're doing something else while you're having the conversation, where we were doing something else, you know, raking the leaves or whatever. And they'd say, okay, it's later. Then I would say my thing. And oftentimes, because he knew it was coming, he would engage with me uh, and ask some questions. And so that's a, that's a strategy. Uh, if your child is uh, over the age of 13 and has a phone, uh, texting, I have judgment about the texting, the phones, uh, texting, writing notes, uh, I'm not beyond bribing, uh, <laughs> but you need to just get it in there. And again, that acknowledgement, and you can say, one of the other things that really works, especially with tweens, is to say, you know what, it is really great to be the smartest kid on the playground when it comes to this. It is, it is, it is a good feeling when your when your friends are saying, you know, slang or, you know, like I know what sex is, it's kissing with tongues and your kid's like, yeah, not so much. So those are some things you can do. And again, it's not their job. It's not their job. And the other piece is to keep an eye out for uh, opportunities in the media and shows you're watching and that kind of thing. And but you, see a, you see something, somebody says something, there's a relationship moment and you're like, oh, that was not good. Later mm -hmm. on, you can say, hey, remember when we were watching Never Have I Ever? And which is great, by the way, uh, okay. if you have it. You know, have you watched it? I haven't. So good. Lots of opportunity. And you say, hey, that that interaction between Debbie and Ben, uh, you know, it was kind of, he was kind of awful or bad or whatever and talk about that. Um, and so again, they can connect it back to, to the show. It'll feel a little natural. Um, and the other thing too is to say, just out of the blue, like, hey, I was just thinking, do you know what a tampon is? And they'll say, yes, no, whatever. And then you say, you know, this is what it is. And you explain what a tampon is. And then the final, my final question, uh, thing is that um, just give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. You can do this. It doesn't have to be that hard. It can be fun and funny. And, you know, again, just watch your world and you'll find these little these little moments. Uh, and that, you know, for me, right? Remember, I had to figure out how to do this. Made things a lot easier, again, with my kiddo that would not talk to me. Well, when you were talking about TV, I, <laughs> there's somebody I know that this family loves they have older kids well they do have a senior in high school and then the rest of the kids are older but they love watching the bachelor and the bachelorette and all that stuff 
And the dad said, I love watching it with my son because I use it as a teachable moment. And we just laughed because it's like, he's like, I'll tell him like, whoa, whoa, no, no, you, that is not what you do if you, and, and we laugh about it, but I'm like, it's true. You see these things and you're like, okay, let me tell you about the real world because that's not going to work in there. Um, I can laugh and joke around about all this. It is serious, but I do want to end on probably an even more serious topic, and that is of sexual content online. And it can be very scary. I know that some of the access that you get, you know, you think as a parent, which this is where you have to monitor what your kids are looking at, but you think that stuff is kind of hidden in in certain ways with passcodes and with the different settings you can do. But they will find a way. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things to think about and what they're exposed to. And I was wondering how you do keep those kids safe from that and how you navigate all of this that can be very, very harmful to them. Well, first of all, they have to know what sex is. They have to know what sex is. Average age of porn exposure from what we know from research is nine, but I think it's younger. It's seven and eight uh, because kids will see it and not report. They won't tell. And most parents don't use monitoring and filtering. And that is a big, big mistake. There are great products for that and they're easy to install and they give you really huge peace of mind. And, you know, talking to your kids about sex when their first exposure to it is porn is a, it's not the greatest, right? Mm. Cause you have to do some repair. Yeah. Seeing porn can be really uh, scary for kids. It can be traumatic for some kids, but not every child is traumatized when they see porn. The majority of them will be like, oh, okay, that's gross. And stop watching. Mm. Most kids won't tell if they've seen it. Uh, if your family is open and talks about it and is, you know, there's a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures that talks about pornography and the impact of it. Those conversations, reading those books helps kids understand why it's not okay or safe to look at porn and what to do if they see it. One of the things that parents will do is that they will freak out and punish their child for their innate curiosity. Mm, yeah. I'm thinking that most of us, when we had the interwebs, if we were youth, uh, we would have Googled sex. I would have. Boobs, yeah. penis. And if you want a little tiny homework and you're not at work or people aren't around and you have never done this, Google the word sex and pretend you're nine. I do it once a year and I'm, I'm, I just did it like three weeks ago and I'm still traumatized. I'm not a porn fan, just personally and professionally. So you need to prepare them for seeing that. They will see it 100%. Everybody sees it before they turn 18. And again, not everybody rabbit holes, but some kids do. Everybody reacts to it differently. And so if your kids know, if you see it, uh, the rule is you stop looking at it. You come find me. And this is really key. You will not be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Just want to make sure you're okay. And if you have questions, I'll answer them. And we can't be afraid of this. And, you know, back to the monitoring and filtering, I, I you know, this analogy, uh, 
of the monitor. So let me explain because people don't know actually. So the monitoring is watching. So monitoring should be on all of their devices. You're watching where they go. Filtering is blocking search terms. And so as your kids get older, you can loosen up the you can loosen up the filtering, but the monitoring should always be on because you need to know if they're Googling up boobs, right? They'll it'll ping you and tell you your kiddo went over here, mm-hmm. tried okay. to. And so it, it's it's um you know, by the time they're in seventh grade, you should be able to they can go anywhere they want and that's fine. And they know you're monitoring, you're not spying. You're not spying. And so think about this in terms, just as an analogy with getting being in the car, right? When you get in the car, you always, always wear a seatbelt. Yep. That's the monitoring. So there's always a seatbelt. Think about the filtering in terms of car seats. So you put your baby baby in a rear-facing bucket. At some point, does that, I can't remember anymore, that turns around. Then they get a car seat, Right. I don't remember any of this. It's rear facing, then it's forward facing. I know you remember, right? (laughs) Yeah. Rear facing, forward facing. Then they get a booster. They're still in the back seat. Then they're in the back seat with a seat belt. Then they're in the front seat with a seat belt. And then they can drive. And what's happening? They have a seat belt all the time. So this is what the monitoring and filtering looks like. So I, a little soapbox here. Uh, This is required, required. And I, um, lots of parents don't believe me. Uh, there are built-in things. You can use those, but it's much easier to use a product like Bark or Circle because it's an app and you stick, I don't know exactly how it works. You install it on things and you'll feel better. You'll feel better. Uh, you know, and it's more than porn. You can Google how to kill yourself. Right. You can Google all kinds of awful stuff and- I don't want that. I don't want that for my kid. I'm pretty sure. Well, you know, I'm guessing you don't right. want your kid that for your kids either. Well, I like what you said too about you're not spying. They know that you're monitoring and you say that to them. 100%. 100%. And they may not like it, but who cares? Oh, and Amy, before we get to all the good stuff, I <laughs> I forgot that you wanted to talk about stranger danger because I mentioned that and I totally took us on a million other different ways around that. So tell me what you were thinking or what you want me to know about stranger danger. So stranger danger is a myth and strangers will not hurt your child. The chance of a stranger having doing anything to your kiddo, I think it's about 4%, which means that 96% of the time, the child who's going to molest, pursue, groom your kid is someone you know, someone who's known to the family. And when you teach kids to be afraid of strangers, you're teaching them to be afraid of help, right? So if your kid's lost in the grocery store and you've told them that strangers are going to hurt them, then they're not going to ask for help. And so in that regard, coaching your kids and telling them that if they're ever lost or scared and you're not around to find a mom or a dad with kids, right? Because you would, if a, if a, 10-year-old, a five-year-old came up to you and said, I can't find my mom, you wouldn't say, I am a stranger. Step away from me, right? Right, right. Never, never. So we need, and it sucks, right? It just sucks that it's always someone, pretty much always someone the child knows. So, or the family knows, because the family gets groomed before the kid does usually. 
It's part of the process. So it can be a coach, a priest, a teacher, uh, an older kid, a teenager. It can be a relative. Um, and I don't. I'm not telling you this to like ter- to terrify you, but you absolutely need to know. So st- stranger danger is not a thing not a thing. And so this means we need to have conversations with our kids about boundaries and consent and help them understand who their safe adults are and what to watch out for if if someone is not a safe adult. There's some really good books for kids. One is called C is for Consent. Another one is called Consent for Kids that really do a good job of talking about this. So if you've been scaring your children about strangers, say to them, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. Strangers actually can be helpful. And then talk about, you know, if you're lost or whatever, find a person with kids, find a grandma. Don't say police officer. Don't say, you know, someone, anyone in uniform, because they're not, that's confusing to kids. They know what a mom looks like. They know what a dad looks like. They know what a grandma looks like, right? Uh, or, yeah. or a granddad. I mean, sorry, I got to hang out in the women land. Um, just <laughs> safer. Um, but again, you know, somebody who's a granddad is looks like a granddad is not going to hurt your kid. Um, and so, yeah, so I just cannot stress that enough. And this is about sexual health education, right? We do not want our kids to be... Um, be vulnerable or we need to do as much as we can to help them uh, not be vulnerable when it comes to sexual abuse. I am so glad you mentioned that because at first I will say when you were saying that's not a thing, I'm like, what What are you talking about? But then it hit me right before you said most of the time it is someone that they know and yeah, makes me sick to my stomach. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Amy, how can people get a hold of you? Give them all the information. And I will have everything linked out at jilldevine.com with the show notes. But uh, right now, if they're listening and they have the ability to write it down, where can they find you and what can you give them? So first of all, podcast listener, I have a podcast. It's called Just Say This. And it's Q&A style. It's an advice. It's an advice column. So people call in, leave me messages and questions, and I answer them on the show. So I think, you know, you're already listening to podcasts. So that's a great way to get more information from me. It's a total uh, hodgepodge. So I might have a call from a parent of a three-year-old because three-year-old keeps touching their privates, parent of a 13-year-old porn exposed. And so I put them all, I mix them up because I think it's important for everybody to know about every age in that yep. kind of, sort of in that respect. I have my Birds and Bees Solution Center, which is a online resource of about 90% of what you need to get the conversation started. There are a bunch of different classes and videos, uh, you know, on pornography, puberty, a whole bunch of different topics. And then I include monthly group coaching with that. And then I also do special topic webinars just for the Solution Center members. There's that. My new book, which I'm super excited about, Sex Talks with Tweens. And if you have a kid that's younger, get it. It's going to prepare you for what's what's a coming and you'll feel more confident and comfortable if you've already got some words. Um, so there's that. And then birdsandbeesandkids.com is my website. I feel like that's enough. <laughs> well, listen, I always say you can never have too many tools in your toolbox. It's kind of like my new thing to say. And I definitely feel um, 
I mean, I'm still nervous. Of course, that's natural, but I don't feel as hesitant about what's to come. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. This has just been so great. And I will definitely be following along because I got a long journey ahead of me. Yeah, you do. And you know what? You can do this. It's fun. It can be so rewarding when you see your child you know, trusting you, asking you questions. And remember, the goal is a whole, healthy, happy adult, right? That's the goal. And this is a big part of being a whole, healthy, happy adult. So thank you for trusting me with your people. I really appreciate it. All right. And as we wrap up this week's conversation, another shout out to Elemental Aesthetics. You can learn more elementalaesthetics.com. And when you go there, you can see all of the November specials they have. One that I really like is the uh, option to detox ahead of the holiday fun with Laura. Laura is the functional medicine nurse practitioner at Elemental Aesthetics. She was actually on the podcast not too long ago. And she has this detox program that has the visits and the supplements included in the price for just $5.95. The other really cool thing, if you're just not sure what to do, well, schedule a free 30-minute consultation with the boss. I go to her all the time, Jennifer Warman Bloss, and she, I don't really honestly make an appointment for anything in particular. I go in and let her determine what I should do when it comes to my face or uh, my skin or whatever it may be, because it's not just your face that they take care of. They take care of your whole body. So she'll guide you into the best services for you. I strongly recommend that strongly. So go to elementalaesthetics.com to learn more. And if you are, you know, checking out websites like elementalaesthetics.com, why don't you also check out jilldevine.com. That's where you will find all of my podcast episodes, including how to reach me on social media, including different blog posts that we have going up for you. And as always, I appreciate your support of this podcast. Thank you so much.